Mm, we ready to go? All right. <laughs> we begin a new series today, Goliath Must Fall. I'm excited to begin the series together with us over these next several weeks because I really believe some powerful things can happen if we allow God's word to penetrate our hearts over the next several weeks. Things can look very different for you if you allow God's word and if we allow God's word to really move us and transform us from the inside. When you hear the word Goliath, what do you think of? What do you imagine? Goliath, that word, yes, giant comes to mind. Goliath, strong. The Bible tells us Goliath was over nine feet tall in the famous story of David and Goliath. I, 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 I think it'd be hard to find anyone in America who's never heard of David and Goliath. You don't have to be a follower of Christ, you don't have to be a Christian, you don't have to know the Bible, but the story of David and Goliath has, has spanned generations and centuries around the globe, and it pits this amazing, powerful giant against this teenage young boy in this epic battle. And so we see the story, and, and, and this term David and Goliath gets used in a lot of different ways in our culture whether it's you know, the big giant you know, super, super store facing the mom and pop shop, it's a David and Goliath battle. Or you know, a very prominent football team versus a, an, an unranked team, and it's a David and Goliath battle, and we, we see this all throughout our culture. We use these terms, David and Goliath. And so we think about these things, and we go, man, you know, what does that look like for our lives? How do we fight the Goliaths in our lives? When we look at our life, what does that mean, the story of legend? And, and, and if you've heard the story in the church or in our culture, there's a theme that comes throughout all of this. And the theme is always this, which is, you know what? Even David can defeat Goliath. So no matter what you're facing, you can take out Goliath, right? Fight harder. Find the courage. Find the strength. Go in there. Go with what God's given you, and, and then God will give you victory. If you just have the faith and the courage, you can win this battle, right? That's how we've heard the story. You guys are all going, oh, he's setting us up for something. <laughs> I know, you're on to me. But this is what we have, have the story, right? And that's where we go. I'm gonna take out Goliath, and we go, and we muster up the courage and the energy, the faith. We've prayed through this, and now we're ready to go face our Goliath. And you know what happens? We land flat on our butt. We land on our rear end. We're knocked down again and we go, what, what's going on? And we fight and we gather more courage, more energy. We pray a little harder. We go to face that Goliath and once again, boom. We don't get past Goliath. What's going on? What's the problem? What's happening? You've tried to quit smoking. You've tried to stop drinking. I'm not gonna do any drugs anymore. I'm not gonna look at porn anymore. I'm not gonna do these things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna muster up the courage. Boom. We fall flat on our back. I'm gonna confront that person that's been bullying me at school or at work or in the neighborhood. I'm gonna, I'm gonna confront the person that's been abusing me. I'm not gonna take that anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up for myself. I'm gonna do something. And yet, years pass and we're still in the same situation. I'm not gonna let, let, let that fear intimidate me anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna change something, and yet years pass and we're still allowing those same voices to ring in our head, I'm a failure. I'm a, I'm a reject. Nobody wants me. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. But I'm gonna muster more courage. I'm gonna do it this time. This time I'm gonna get through it, and then we fall again. What is it? What's going on? I'm gonna overcome this greed, this selfishness, this, this idea that, that I'm gonna you know, just acquire for myself or I'm gonna have control and I wanna live free, but 
Next thing we know, we're right back at it. Why can't we fight, face and fight and defeat some of our Goliaths? We end up in these same places over and over and over again. Now, I have some Goliaths in my life. And what I know is that each and every one of us has at least one Goliath or giant you're facing in your life. In my life, some of these giants I've defeated. Others, I've, I've won some, some battles and then I've lost some battles. Other ones I thought were dead and gone and come back again. And we face these, these giants in our life. I face self-doubt. I face control and pride. I face lust. I face greed. I face rejection. And there's times, again, where it feels like, oh, we're doing great, we're coming through this, and then at other times it's just, it's like you can be frozen. Anyone else relate? You're like paralyzed. You can't go forward, and, and then what happens is we get this weird thing where it's sort of like we just accept it. And we might just kind of go, I guess that's just the way it is. And so you can be in a situation, you might be thinking, you know, and, and we can just go, you know what, I've tried to fight these giants in my life so many times, this is just how it's gonna be in life. I'm just learning to live with it. And I venture to say that especially some of us, the older we get, the more comfortable we've gotten with that. This is just the way it is. This is just who I am. This is just my battle. This is just my struggle. I guess it's just gonna be this way. And we continue to live in the shadow of the giant. And we don't move forward, we don't move on. So what's going on here? We listen to these stories and we think, okay, if David could do it, why can't I do it? I mean, that's why we have the Bible for. That's what we've been taught since we were children in Sunday school. David could do it. And it seems like some people have defeated Goliath. Why can't I? Well, I think this whole series will just be an exercise in uh, you know, theory if we don't identify our giants. What is your giant? What's your giant? What is it that, that comes to mind? Some of you instantly, as we've talked about the series or even heard that it was coming or as we're talking today, you instantly knew, this is my giant. This is what, what is kicking my butt time and time again. How do I get through this? Others might be going, well, I don't deal with any addictions. I don't have any you know, problems. I mean, this series maybe isn't for me. Those giants tend to be a little more subtle. Those giants aren't as overt. Those giants aren't as obvious. Again, it's those voices that you might be hearing in your head. Maybe, maybe it's even just comfort and security. You aim everything in your life just to have it comfortable and to go just right and nothing to go wrong and to have the life just that you're trying to constantly create and, and you can't get there. That's a giant in your life. That's something we need to fight and face. Again, whether it's greed, whether it's anger, whether it's resentment, whether, again, it's dealing with abuse or just failures in, in your past, pride, self-image. I mean, the list goes on and on. What is it that is the giant that is holding you back in your life? Because you know what? We all, every single one of us, faces a giant. What I think is so powerful about this series Imagine if we just all listed our giants right now, or we had just these little thought bubbles that popped up over everyone's head, and we just saw everyone's giant. And imagine if five weeks from now, or one week from now, all of those were gone. And all of us walked past that giant, and we're living on the other side of that giant. Would that change anything? Would that change something in your life? If, but, but that just speaks to the point that I think we've just gotten so comfortable that I guess we will just not defeat our giants. And I don't think, and I know that's not what scripture teaches. Goliath, and the name of the series is Goliath must fall. He absolutely has to fall, and you're gonna understand why at the end of 
our, our message even today. And we're basing uh, this, the story, the, this message series title is off of a book by the same name by Louis Giglio called Goliath Must Fall. Some great revelations that, that were revealed through scripture through that book and encourage you to read it if you have it. But we're also obviously gonna be looking at the backdrop of all of scripture and this amazing story as we look at Goliath Must Fall. And so I just ask you over the next several weeks to open your heart, to just really say, okay God, this thing, help me. Help me to know what to do. How do I overcome this giant? Today we're gonna start with week one, living in the shadow of the giant. Living in the shadow of the giant because everything I've just been talking about is how we just live in that shadow. That giant just looms in front of us and we're constantly in that shadow. How do we step out of that shadow? What do we do? Is it even possible to defeat Goliath? Let me pray and then we'll jump into the story here. Heavenly Father, all of us have probably something in our mind right now that's keeping us from living the life that you've created for us, the life that we long for, the the freedom that we desire. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in us and would guide us to help take steps to understand what does it mean to live in victory with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So the story of David and Goliath is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's in the whole chapter and there's different parts. We're gonna focus on some of the the parts from verse 20 on where uh, David enters the scene. And so I'm just gonna tell you some of the story and and just want you to picture it again in your mind and and maybe you recall it from childhood. But as we look at the story, what I wanna do, first I wanna set a little context for you to help you understand what's going on. And then we're gonna look at three key movements in the story. Three like major scene changes where, where the story begins to, to um, change and, and makes a big difference. So the first thing is we look at setting the scene. We've got the scene and there's two armies that are battling. And it's the, it's the Israelite army, the people of God, the nation of Israel that, that, that has been God's people. They're on, they're on one hill and then there's this valley of Elah in the middle. And on the other side, you've got the Philistines. So you've got the Israelites and the Philistines on opposite sides on these hills, on these mountains, and then in the valley in between is this, this, is this river. And so they're facing each other, and, and the Israelites and the Philistines have been enemies for a long time. And all throughout the Old Testament, you see they're one of these enemies that are constantly in battle. They're constantly being fought for territory, for land. They're in the promised land. And what we know about some of the Philistines and some of the people in the land is they were giants. If we recall back to, the, to when um, you know, Moses led the people out of, out of Egypt, and as they were coming to the promised land and 12 spies were sent, 10 of them came back saying, we can't defeat them. We're like grasshoppers in that land. They're like giants. That wasn't just necessarily figured like, you know, language, kind of like, oh, they're just big. They literally were tall, big, strong people. People from the region of Gath, people from, there's other tribes that, that just had large people. There was one there, the King Og, that they faced, it says in scripture that his bed was 13 feet long. Now, either he just liked a really large bed, who knows, but likely he was also of descendants of, of very strong warriors and, 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 and people in their genes. And so that wasn't uncommon. And, and so here we are as we face this battle and, and, these, and, and these two nations, they don't wanna go fight each other because if you're stationed on top of hills with a valley in between, who has the advantage? The advantage is to the one who doesn't attack first. Because if the one attacks first, if I'm the one getting attacked, I wait because that, that, those people have to go, that, that army has to go down the hill and then go up the hill. How many of us have climbed some stairs and then we huff and puff a little bit at the top of stairs, right? 
Imagine carrying armor and weapons and gear and you're going up and now you're gonna attack and you're attacking down and they're up high so nobody wanted to attack. And so they're at this impasse but more than that, they're at an impasse because there's a, there's a deal that's been put out there. This giant Goliath, the champion fighter from Gath, steps forward. He's got his, his, his uh, shield bearer, his armor bearer and he, he steps out and he makes this challenge to the Philistines. Tell you what, instead of all of us defeating and fighting each other, we'll just do it this way. We'll go mano a mano. One of us will fight the other. I will represent the Philistines and whoever can conquer me, if you can conquer me, you have victory, we'll become your slaves. And vice versa, if, you, if, uh, if I defeat you, then we have victory and you will become our slaves. Let's just save some of the, the hassle of the big battle. And you have this intimidating giant. Again, it says he's nine feet tall. And so when we come to this, this part of the story, what we're realizing now is this first movement now is we have this context, it's living in the shadow of the giant. Because what happens in the story now is that every single morning and every single night, Goliath goes out and he just starts talking smack. Nonstop smack. He's out there, and, and, and I'm not a good smack talker, but he's talking smack, and you can read about that, right? And like, you know, come on, I could take out your mama. I don't know what he's saying, you know? He's, he's like, what's wrong with you guys? And he's taunting them, and he's saying, you know, you guys got nothing. Your God is nothing. And, and he does this in the morning, and then he goes back. Nobody challenges him, and he comes back at night, and he does it again. And so here are these men encamped on, on the hill, and they're just hearing this guy talk them down day after day after day, morning and night, morning and night, over and over. And here are these mighty warriors, these mighty warriors dressed for battle. They have conquered armies. They are shaken in their boots. They're frozen in fear. They're not willing to do anything about it. Day and night, day and night, morning and evening, Goliath comes out, and he is just intimidating them. You know how many days? 40 days, 40 days. Now in the Bible, when you read 40, that ought to trigger something in your mind going, wait a second, I recognize that number 40. There's like 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus spent, uh, you know, like the, the Israelites that were uh, you know, in, the, in the desert before the promised land, 40 years of wandering. Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness being tempted. 40 days here of Goliath's taunt. 40 days signifies a period of testing, a period of trial and, and, and preparation. And so there's something about the fullness of this time of 40 days, whether it was a literal 40 days or whether it's figurative 40 days, but it was this long period of time where over and over and over again, Goliath is taunting. Then scene one ends. Living in the shadow, that scene is done. Now comes the second scene, an unlikely hero. An unlikely hero enters the scene. And you know who comes on? It's the Jimmy John's delivery guy. He's got hot bread and cheese. His name is David. And he's got some brothers that are fighting. He's, he's one of eight brothers. His older three brothers have been part of Saul's army. And, and, and here David is this, the youngest. He's at home. He's tending sheep. And his father, Jesse, says, bring some bread and cheese to your, to your brothers. And he was freaky fast. And so he brought his... I'm not getting paid by Jimmy John's, but we do order them sometimes. So if you're watching, a free meal would be great. Um, so, so he comes and he arrives and, and, and he sees what's going on and he's bringing, this, you know, he's bringing the supplies to his brothers and sure enough, it's morning and evening. Here's, here comes this giant Goliath and he's just continuing his taunts and he's seeing his brothers whom he respects, these older guys that are just not doing anything and he's scratching his head and wondering, what is going on? Why are none of you doing anything about this? Don't you hear his taunts? Don't you hear what he's saying? 
This is crazy, go do something. And, and here's, here's what it says, David asked the soldier standing nearby, 1 Samuel 17, 26, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? You know, the, Goliath was taunting these armies of Saul. But David understood they were more than armies of Saul. These were armies of the living God. And what, what, what's going on here? And he's envisioning life on the other side of Goliath. What does the, what does the conqueror get? Well, he's going to get to be married to the king's, um, one of the king's daughters. He's going to have lots of riches. He's not going to have to pay taxes for the rest of his life, it says in Scripture. Like, that's a pretty good deal. There's a pretty good life on the other side for the victor. But also for the whole army, if they can get past Goliath, one, they will defeat this enemy. They will be able to plunder and take advantage of the land and whatever else is there. Life is good on the other side of Goliath, but the problem is Goliath is standing there. And David is seeing a future. He's seeing something beyond this Goliath and what could be. And so he wants to step forward and he wants to do it. And he's asking, even just him asking around, his brothers are going, why are you even asking? Go back home, you little kid. This is a man's battle. What are you doing here? Get out of here. Go home. This isn't for you. Well, the king hears about it and calls for David and said, who is this person that's asking about Goliath and, and these things? So David comes forward. And David is, again, a young boy. And he stands there in front of Saul, who is, one of, who is head and shoulders above the other men, as we read in Scripture, this imposing figure of a king who himself wasn't willing to go out there and fight Goliath, even though he was probably the most capable one of them. And so even after some conversation and looking at David saying, you're just a boy. Well, David's like, you know what? I've learned how to fight. I maybe have been guarding sheep, but I've conquered lions and bears. And if they stole one of the sheep, I'd pry it out of its mouth. And if it tried to attack me, I'd club him and I would kill him. I'm not afraid of this Philistine. Let me in there. And for whatever reason, King Saul saw something in him. And he said, all right, all right. But you know what? Take my armor. And he puts his, Saul puts his armor on David. You just picture this kid like wearing this helmet that you can't even see, like his head's bobbing around, right? He's got like all this weight and he's like trying to go, okay, he's carrying the sword. No, he's like, I can't, I can't even move in this. I can't even function in this. And so he strips all that off and he makes his way and he starts heading down the hill, an unlikely hero. And now we enter scene three, the battle scene. The battle scene, a, de a decisive victory, spoiler alert. I mean, this is one story where I can't really keep you in suspense. I think everyone knows what happens with David and Goliath, right? A decisive victory is at hand, but how does that happen? So now David's walking out. He's got his shepherd's staff. He's got a sling, and he picks up five smooth stones, it says. And now he's walking. He's walking down that hill. And can you imagine David as he's walking down? And there's the Goliath, nine feet tall, you know, it says his, his, his armor was 125 pounds. The, the tip of his spear alone weighed 15 pounds. And he's watching this little boy come towards him, this teenager. And he starts thinking, and the smack start, talk starts happening. And now it's getting really heated, and Goliath is going, what? you know, he sees the stick. He's like, what am I, a dog that you come at with me with, with a stick? Are we gonna play fetch? What's going on here? Bring me a real warrior. Don't send this little kid out here. I wanna have a battle. And so he's taunting him and he's speaking and, and listen to David's, David's response though. Man, I love this, I love this. First Samuel 17, verse 45. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. 
And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Let's go, all right? I mean, can you imagine the other army hearing him going, go, David? Like, I mean, wow. But what's gonna go down? I mean, here's this, this, this armored Soldier, the champion from Gath versus David. And he walks up, and as David is coming, Goliath starts moving towards him. And David takes one of those stones, and he puts it in his sling, and what happened? Round and round and round, right? The sling goes round and popped him right in the forehead. And this giant lands on the ground face down. But that wasn't the end. David did it as he had promised. He runs over there now, and now he goes up to Goliath. He stands on, he pulls out his sword, this giant sword, and he chops his head off. I know it's a little brutal for Sunday morning, but he chops his head off, picks up his head, and you can just hear the war cry on the other side of the hill. And what happened was now the, the, the army charges down. Victory is at hand, and the Israelites win, and Goliath is defeated. This is the story we've heard. This is a story that inspires us. It's a story that moves us. We go, okay, let's go. But I want you to think about this story very specifically with the giant in mind for you. The giant that you face. Let's walk through the scenes of the story with the giant that you face and say, okay, God, how are you gonna help me defeat my giant? How am I gonna go out there? How am I gonna do that? What are we gonna do? Well, let's first look, again, the first movement here, right? We're stuck living in the shadow of our giants. This is where so many of us are. This is what we've been talking about this morning. We doubt that Goliath can or will fall. We've learned to live with him, accept him, tolerate him, just you know, feel trapped by him. We're not living in freedom, but we're like, you know, I guess this is just how life is. Resignation can be very powerful in our lives. And I know even in, in, in my own life, in, in, in my 40s, at different times here where I come up against the giant and it literally can freeze me in my tracks. Anxiety can set in. Panic can set in. Sleepless nights can set in. Times where I just go, I don't know, I don't think I can do it. And it's amazing how powerful our mind is, isn't it? And the thoughts that we have and the voices that we hear. And maybe a, someone's, a certain someone's voice or maybe a group of people, you're hearing that voice and you start believing those lies and you start thinking, it's true. Those are the taunts that you're hearing. And it leaves us paralyzed, frozen. It's just the way it is. I guess this is how I'm gonna live my life. How many of us are living in the shadow of our giant? If we have a giant that we're facing, we're living in his shadow because we haven't conquered or defeated him. But let's look at the second move now, an unlikely hero, but here's another spoiler alert. It isn't you. This is where we get stuck. We think we're the hero, we're the David, we're the one who's gotta come in there, the hero, it isn't you. That's the ultimate twist, you're not David. This was eye-opening to me. I thought my whole life, I'm David, and I've got a doctorate in ministry. And I never put that together before. <laughs> because I thought I was David. I thought I'm the one that has to come in. And you're not David. That's why we continue to get defeated. I, we go in there, have more faith, have more courage. That's what David did. You're not David. You know who is? Jesus is. Jesus is. Jesus is. <laughs> yes, you came to church, and the answer is Jesus. <laughs> 
But this is huge because it really changes the way we have to look at our Goliaths. It has to change the way we look at battle. The, the reason we keep failing is because we're not Jesus. You know who we are? We're Eliab, we're the oldest brother. We're the men on the, uh, on, in the army who've been too intimidated to go down and fight. Or we've tried and thought we would fail. That's, that's who we are. Maybe we're King Saul, maybe we're leading something but too afraid to go out and do it. Maybe we're the women and children that, whose, whose lives are at stake behind what happens in the army. Maybe we're the, the elderly that didn't come out and fight. We're all affected, but we're not David. And yet Goliath is taunting every single one of us. And we're trying to think about how do we live this life? How do we move through? But you know what? Everything changes when Jesus enters our Valley of Elah. <laughs> When Jesus comes in, when the unlikely hero steps in, things begin to change, things start to look different. We have a hero who wants to fight our battle for us, who has fought the battle for us. And it's Jesus, when Jesus enters in, everything changes. This is what we preach, this is what we teach, this is what we live in the church, that it's in Christ that we can have victory. And so we see this unlikely hero step forward and ready to take out the giant, and then let's move to the third scene that we've had in the story, a decisive victory. A decisive victory. Jesus wins us a decisive victory when we look and see what he's done. And here's the other truth that is so important for us to, to understand. I think this is, this is a game changer. Not only are you not David, the Goliath that you have in mind is already defeated. Can we get some more mm-hmms? <laughs> This is where we struggle. This is gonna be where we hit the wall today in our believing and understanding of this. Because we, we're going, no, 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 no. I mean, how can Goliath be defeated? No, Goliath has already been defeated. If we follow the story and if Jesus is, is David, then Goliath has already been conquered. Goliath has already been taken out. He's already defeated it on the cross. Jesus crushed the head of Satan is what we, what we read and what we see. We think we need to take out our giants, but Goliath is already dead. And if Jesus was able to not only conquer the cross, but was able to conquer death, do you think that he can't conquer your failure? You think he can't conquer your rejection? You think he can't conquer a little cigarette or a little click on a computer screen or a voice that's in your head? He can conquer all those things and he has conquered them. He's already won that victory. Now, that raises some questions. Raises a lot of questions. Why am I still struggling with addiction? If he's already conquered Goliath, if Goliath's already dead, why am I still struggling with addiction? Why am I still struggling with fear, with rejection? Why can't I fight, move over? I mean, if Goliath is dead, why am I still here? What is it that I'm fighting then? Why am I feeling like I'm fighting this battle? Isn't Satan still wreaking havoc and ruining lives? Well, he is. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But I thought you said he's already dead. This is an interesting dynamic in the kingdom of God that we have to learn and understand. There's, it's this already and not yet, the, right? Satan has already been defeated. The victory's already there, but we live in this time where we know the victory's already won, but we know there's still battles to be fought. And so we live in this in-between time. And what we have to understand about Goliath is this, Goliath is dead, but still deadly. Now, now Louis Giglio in his book gives the perfect example of this, this great story of, uh, to, to illustrate this. 
And what he talks about was when he was younger, he would go to, a, um, to a, like, a, like a summer camp, and it was on the East Coast, and it was still in a time where a lot of the East Coast hadn't been as popular with, with tourism yet, and so they were in, a, in an area that wasn't quite as developed yet in this, this camp that they were staying at. And there were poisonous snakes that were in the brush and, and, and all around in, in the area. And so that evening, you know, every evening, he and his friend, either when they were older students or even then went back as counselors, they would, they would, um, they would go out and they would go snake hunting at night because they wanted to make sure nobody got hurt and they, they're boys and they just thought that'd be fun and whatnot, I don't know. So they'd go out with their bats and they'd start going through the brush looking for poisonous snakes. And when they found a poisonous snake, they would beat the heck out of it, okay? They would pound it, they would just crush it, and then they would take, take the, and once they've had it killed, then they did, took this other step. I know it's a little gruesome, but they would put the bat on its head and they would push it into the ground until it came off of the body. And then they would stick the head the rest of the way and bury it in the ground. And then, for whatever reason, maybe they were young and feeling like they needed to show like their spoils of war, they would hold the tails of the, put the tails of the snakes in their hands. They would, they would hold them with the heads buried. And he said, you know what? You had to do two things. One, you had to bury the head. Because if you didn't bury the head, there's still venom in the fangs. There's still venom in that head. And if somebody steps on it, even though it's dead, it can still uh, get poison in your body and can be deadly. And the other thing is that as we were holding these, these, these snakes uh, by their body with, off their heads, they would still move. <laughs> and they would still try to like wrap around their arms. And he was saying, you know what, they were dead, but they were still deadly. They were still trying to strangle. They were still potential in those snakes to harm and to hurt. And he's saying, this is what's going on in the kingdom today. That Satan has been defeated, that, that he's dead, but he's still deadly, and there's still possibilities out here. Even if you look at, at Genesis uh, 3.15, back in the beginning when the serpent deceived Adam and Eve, here's what Jesus said, I will cause hostility between you and the woman. He's talking to the serpent, between the serpent and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Satan is still striking at our heel. He's still trying to get one last stab, and he's still trying to get one last defeat in on us, and that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're trying to, to fight when we're in this. The devil has been defeated, but he can still strike at us. That is the tension that we're in. It already has happened, but we're not yet there. So how can we overcome the poison? Because that's what we're still dealing with. That's still where we lose the battle. How do we overcome this poison? Well, what did the Israelite army do after David conquered Goliath? Did they just kind of go home? Yay, thank you, David. They rushed down the hill. They went and they fought the rest of the battle. Goliath was defeated, but the army was still there and they took him out. They had to understand, we have to move and get past Goliath, go to the other side, do the battle and learn what it means to live in victory, to live in that sense of, of what God has done for us. So here, if I were to summarize what we're talking about today, it's this, Jesus has already defeated your giant you just have to learn how to claim the victory and walk in it. <laughs> I'll say it again. Well, it's just me and Lauren today. We're going to have this day. Jesus has already defeated your giant. <laughs> you just have to learn how to claim the victory and walk in it. But that's huge. That's huge. That's game changing. Because it's not about the battle. It's about claiming the victory and then learning how to walk in that. What does that look like? What does that mean? The problem is the victories that we just haven't claimed it. We just haven't learned how to walk in that victory. So what is it that's holding us back from, from that victory? And I think it's this. Fear is ultimately what is holding us back. Fear is one of the biggest things. We see it all throughout this story. Fear, whatever that is, the fear of, uh, of what could be. What is out there? Here, you know, you, we read in 1 Samuel 17, 10 to 11, that, that when you know, Goliath 
said, taunted the Israelites, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. They were just, they just couldn't move. There was fear there, but their fear changed after they understood that Goliath was dead. And then is when they, they headed out. What is it that we fear? What is it that we fear? It's crazy to think Goliath's defeated, but yet we still live in fear. We, I think we fear that we can't win because you fought your giant once, twice, 10 times, a thousand times, and so we just feel like, I, I, I doubt, I don't, think, I don't think I can win. Fear that we might lose, right, the other side of that. Fear that we've already lost many times. Fear that the giant speaks truth. We've heard it so many times, we've heard it so many times, we've heard it so many times over and over and over again. It must be true, it must be true, and we start living as though that were truth. And as I've mentioned already a little bit before, but fear of what life might be like on the other side. See, we've made strange bedfellows with our giants. <laughs> we may not like them, they may be bad for us, they could be harming us, we kinda wanna get past them, but we've gotten so comfortable with them, I guess that's just what life is. I guess this is how it is. And, and there's even this little, this idea, maybe like somebody who's been in prison for a long time fears what it might be like to live outside in freedom. This may not be great, but at least I know how to live in this space. And so we just stay there. Instead of saying, no, I wanna know, there's gotta be a great life on the other side of Goliath. There's gotta be some victory, some freedom that has to come. We live in that fear and it's holding us back. Well, listen to this. The antidote to fear is not courage, but trust. See, it's not, it's not mustering more courage. It's not saying, I'm gonna go now, I'm gonna take it out. It's trust. Trust in what? Trust in God. This is what we see over and over with David is that he had this trust in God. Earlier when, when, you know, when David was laying the smack back on Goliath, Listen, just listen to a couple of things that he says. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, right? I don't come to you in Saul's name. I don't come to you in my name. He said today the Lord will conquer you. He said the Lord rescues his people, not with sword and spear. He said this is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us, right? It was, it was his understanding of focus. His, his trust was in God. It wasn't in his ability with his sling. It wasn't in, in anything else except this trust in God. So regardless of the size of your giant, God's power is always greater. And that's what we hear from the story, that regardless of what you're facing, God's power is greater. And so when we put our trust in God, it's really an act of worship. You say, how do you defeat your giants? You worship. Wait a second, that sounds kind of wimpy. That doesn't sound real. What do you mean worship? I sing some songs? <laughs> the way we defeat our giants is worship because what that's doing is taking our focus off of our giant and it's putting our focus on God. He's saying, I'm gonna spend more time listening to God, setting my eyes on him, focusing on him, than on this problem that I have. And so when we sing the songs of worship, when we come in prayer, when we turn to God's word, when we meet together with other believers and centered in Christ and community, everything we're doing is we're putting our focus on the one who is greater than the giant in our life. And that's how we begin to move past, by trusting in God. Now over the next several weeks, the story is gonna form the background. We're not gonna go as deep into the story as we did today, but it's gonna form the background because what I wanna talk about is, like we said today, it's, it's acknowledging we already have victory, but how do we live in victory? How do we claim that victory? What does that look like? And the Bible is full of guidance on how to actually walk that path of victory now to get over Goliath and to get through the other side. We're gonna talk about the power of confession, the power of community, the power of transformation, the power of perseverance. And we're gonna look at these things over the next several weeks because that's how we learn to walk and get past Goliath who's already been defeated. 
So as we begin today in this series, as you think about the Goliath that you have, you think about the thing that's holding you back, maybe that you've been battling for a long time, I want you to take a step of faith today. And I first want you to realize you're not David. That should take some pressure off right now. You're not David. Nobody's asking you to go out there and show some bravado and whatnot. You've done that, you've tried that. You're not David. I want you to trust that Jesus is your David, that he has conquered Goliath. That's gonna be the hardest thing for some of us to accept in this week is that Goliath has already been defeated. The very thing you have, if you come up against it this week in your thoughts, in your actions, in your heart, in temptation, whatever that issue is, in your self-doubt, I want you to say to yourself, nope, 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 you can't, you're already dead. <laughs> You've already been defeated. In Jesus' name, you are dead, you have been defeated. And when that begins, and when that starts, and you put your focus on God, we're gonna look at these next several weeks, how do we walk out of the shadow of Goliath and step into the hope and the promise that God has for us. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment here. And I really want you to wrestle through and think through what is that Goliath? I mean, you may have a couple, but pick one right now. And I want you to claim these very things. I want you to say to yourself, I am not David, Jesus is. And I want you to say, Goliath is dead. It's already dead. That addiction you're fighting, it's already dead. It's already been defeated. The self-doubt, the negative self-talk, it's dead. The anger, the rejection, fear, your insecurity, complacency, it's already been defeated. It is already dead. We just have to learn how to walk in victory and we're gonna do that when we turn our trust to Jesus and help him through this. Heavenly Father, we hate the giants in our lives, God, because we want to live in freedom. We want to not be bound and, and be held back. Help us, God, beginning this very moment to put our hope and our trust fully in you and maybe just even these understanding, God, that you are the giant slayer, that you are the one who's already defeated that thing that keeps taking us out. God, help us today to walk in that victory to begin to take those first steps that begin in our heart, that begin in our mind, just even believing that that's true. Letting you fight our battle, God, and learning what it means to walk in victory. Help us, beginning today and over these next several weeks, to learn from your word, to learn what it means to walk and to live in victory so that we can put these giants in the rearview mirror and move on towards the life that you have for us. Father, this may be a challenging battle. There may be some tough things ahead as we walk through this. But God, we can just imagine life on the other side for each of us individually, for us as a church. God, we surrender in this moment to you. And we thank you, God, for being our hero and for defeating Satan once and for all. Help us to walk in that freedom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.